Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Well, I don't know. Everyone has a podcast now. Well, not really. What is true is that, according to Nielsen statistics, 55% of the U.S. population, that's over 155 million people, have listened to a podcast, and 24% of the population, that's 68 million people, listen to podcasts weekly. And these numbers continue to trend upward. What's also true is that over 75% of all podcasts fade away after the first few episodes. It could be for a variety of reasons, lack of strong concept, poor production value, people not realizing how much time needs to be dedicated to it, or simply just not knowing how to get the word out about podcasts. That's where WeKnowPodcasting.com comes in. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have a combined 25 years of podcast experience, and we can help you achieve your podcasting goals. Whether you need help starting a new podcast or want to take your currently active podcast to the next level, we got you. From consultations to concept development, from theme music to editing, promotion, animation, graphics, you name it and we're here to help. Don't become another failed podcast statistic. Let us guide you and help your show become a success. Check out the website at WeKnowPodcasting.com. And even if you're on the fence, don't hesitate to reach out. We're friendly guys, we're passionate about pods, and we're here to help. Movie Night. This week we are talking about The Wishmaster from 1997 as picked by Scott. How did we go 
310 episodes without talking about the Wishmaster from the 90s. First of all, it's a 90s film, so that seems on brand for us. Second of all, it's a Wes Craven Presents. That feels on brand for us. (laughs) Third of all, some pretty graphic practical kills in it. And just a shit ton of horror cameos scattered throughout this fucking movie. Scott, what made you finally decide to pull the trigger on watching Wishmaster? So this was my first full watch of it, and I don't know why I never watched it. I, I probably thought that it was lame back in the late 90s when I was basically like watching all of the famous 80s horror movies, and I was really into slashers in high school, and so I was probably like, this is too slick and, and supernatural and not realistic, and now that's all I care about. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a great watch. I think that I saw it. Was it Shutter or was it Amazon? I don't know. Whatever it was, they they have all three Wishmasters. Peacock. I don't have Peacock. Oh, that's the only way I could watch it was Peacock. <laughs> Peacock. I got to keep in mind though that I watched this months ago, so it oh, might have gone gotcha. off of that previous streaming service, and it's now on Peacock. Fair, fair. So my thing with this movie is, I had it on VHS. I didn't buy it though. This kid Joe bought it for me. Brian, do you remember Joe? Joey Bag of Donuts? He was like the brother of one of Jamie's friends. And we like, his dad had like an RV and we like went up to their like mountain house a few times. Oh, Joe, we slept in a trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Yuck. So this kid, Joe, you know, my sister did all these sports and she made friends with kids who played sports. And those friends' parents become friends of your parents' parents and like that whole thing happens. But I end up meeting her brother, Joe, who was a little bit younger than me, but he was like horror buff right when I was starting to become a horror buff. So even though he was a little bit younger than me, he had like every Nightmare on Elm Street on VHS. Like, so I would just go to his house and we would just like binge these movies. And he was like, you've never seen Wishmaster? So as a birthday gift, he got me Wishmaster (laughs) on VHS. And I remember I watched it and I was like, yeah, it was all right. And then... At one point, all four movies were on Netflix, and I kind of hate watched most of them. Like, I still like wasn't that into it, but I'm like, well, they might not be here forever, so let's watch all of them. But then Scott picked it, and I figured, why not just drop the ten dollars on the full Wishmaster Blu-ray set? Ten dollars for all three out. on blue, like anyone else would think. You know, yeah, that's the like, decision everyone else like would do. Another, like any other normal human who said, "I've given this franchise." three tries already and didn't like it let me put it in the collection yeah it hasn't cost me anything up until this point so let's see what happens if i throw money at it Uh. but what's weird is like as i'm watching it this time i definitely enjoyed it more this time than ever before it could be because money was on the line i don't know but (laughs) but i kept bouncing between this is the dumbest shit we have ever watched for the podcast, but also thinking, this movie's pretty badass. Like, the opening scene has that dude's skeleton ripping itself yeah, from his body. I and have I'm a like, list of those Yo! effects. <laughs> the, 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 the best part about that intro scene, man, is the fact that somebody just gave a blank check to the effects department, and they were like, <laughs> go nuts. And so they they went nuts. We get guy turned uh, caught in cement, guy with yep. tree head, guy with demon belly button, 
Then we have possessed skeleton uh, guy, man. lizard guy, and then I have poor Ted Raimi. So I'm wondering if Ted Raimi is also in there or if he's no, in the next scene. No, Ted Raimi is the is the guy who gets crushed by a crate when we yes. go to modern times. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the funniest thing about this is that, like, the cast is so stacked that you get Angus Scrim as the narrator. You get Kane Hodder, Tony Todd, and Robert England in it. You get the dude from Phantasm. That's Angus Scrim. Oh, oh, and Reggie no, no, Bannister. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Tom Savini, it was so weird because I've said this before on the show, how I'm terrible at catching faces. Like, I almost have face blindness because I just suck at it so bad. You know, I've got to, like, have a meaningful conversation with someone, and then I remember their face. I have to have a second meaningful conversation, and then I remember their name. But I saw Tom Savini for the split second of a split second, and I was like rewind oh, there he is you know like i was just like there he is you know it's is so funny but this movie the, the the special effects are just so good well except for when they're not yeah like, that's well the- i think this is a perfect example of practical effects for special effects yes. side yeah. side by side like someone yeah. should should have shown everyone this movie in the 90s is like this is why we need our jobs like if that if i was a <laughs> you know special effects artist in the 90s i would be like look at this because the jaw rip was fucking dope. So brutal. Oh my god. So, so good. So the jaw rip, we have to pause for one second because the jaw rip happened and me laying in bed eating dinner went, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> like out loud. I could not believe what I just see. It was so dope. <laughs> and then someone like turned in the glass and broke and it was like the same special effects that they used in Resident Evil. The video game. <laughs> the video game. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. really bad. Glass girl, snake face, knife face. Like, that, that's all bad at the end. Yeah. There's one guy who I want to call out who plays a homeless man in this movie, and it's George Buckflower. It, right? That, that's the guy. He dies in the pharmacy, right? Well, no, he's the guy outside the pharmacy who wishes. Oh, oh, yeah. He causes the death. I wish he'd fucking die. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, no, what he says is, I wish he got cancer. And this oh, movie has a right. fundamental misunderstanding of what cancer is because, no. like, the dude just starts foaming at the mouth almost immediately. But, uh. No, no, no. The it, guy, the, it, that's the thing is that the, the Wishmaster is not going to be like, well, five years from now, this guy's going to drop fucking dead and I'm going to collect both their souls. No. No, the, no, the, no, the, no. It's super cancer. What he does, and let's just get into it, the thing that made me laugh for 15 straight minutes is what he does is if you say can you get me a million dollars we're gonna quick jump cut to an old lady trying to board an airplane and being told that she has to fill out who's gonna claim her life insurance if something goes wrong and then immediately mid-sentence cut to a plane exploding in the sky that was some naked gun level shit you know listen we've seen a short film inspired that may have been inspired by that scene called Bert's Law. So, I want to talk about George Buckflower for a second, because his voice sounded familiar, and I was like, I feel like he has to be, like, I have to have seen him in something, and it says that John Carpenter basically gave him a cameo in almost every movie he made throughout the 80s, but I, I want to talk about the concept of typecasting for a split second, because as I look at his credits on IMDb and, and Wikipedia, I just want to give you a few few of these credits here bar patron flasher homeless man homeless man (laughs) unnamed homeless man cab driver (laughs) drunk gambler (laughs) beggar read the bum in back to the future one and two 
Uh, so he's the homeless man that sees Marty McFly take off at the Twin goes, Pines. Oh, that's all he does in every movie? <laughs> yeah. Guy giving directions. That was one of his roles. You know, I, I, I was not expecting him to be giving directions as a homeless man. I was expecting him to give yeah. hand jobs. He was he was a janitor in Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolarama. He was the old man in Maniac Cop. He was Mr. Wallace in Pumpkinhead. Oh, damn. A security guard in Macamy moved up in the world a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, just back to a whole lot of drunk, a whole lot of homeless. I think it's because he, they were like, take your teeth out. You know, that's basically yeah. like, that's, that's what they wanted him to do. I'm surprised he didn't show up in fucking street trash. He was in Warlock the Armageddon as man in a crowd. Really just I love that you got big... an IMDb credit for that, though. That's the dream. All right. <laughs> you know, like you do a bunch of bullshit. Just like he got paid in sandwiches. You know, and, and then he gets to have this illustrious, illustrious and very heavy-handed, bold quotes, IMDb, you know, credit list. It's it's wild. It's it's like 100 movies where he had no names for any of his characters. That means he worked um, 50 days on set, you know, oh, like. For, for sure. <laughs> yeah, he was knocking out two movies a day. I think that one of the problems with this movie, and we've talked about there this. There are no problems with this that, movie. It's perfect. Stop yourself right there. <laughs> There's that trope that you have to start the movie with like a big bang. Like you really have mm -hmm. to like grab the audience's attention. And I think what happens is that that opening scene is so fucking gnarly that the first like four or five kills feel really tame in comparison. Like when, and this isn't me making a joke. This is the actual casting. When the character of Josh blows up this jewel and Vern Troyer in Dude, I saw Wishmaster Makeup. So good. <laughs> he's the first level when of transformation. Yeah, when he's crawling over there and he's like, ask me to ease your pain. And he's like, please ease the pain. And he's like, all right. And then the guy just dies and there's like absolutely no gore effect whatsoever. You're just like, I mean, I just saw a skeleton rip itself out of a person's <laughs> body. This feels really tame in comparison. We don't really start getting some of the truly gnarly kills until my boy, his credit and can hardly wait is just stoner guy comes in and he's all press stone in the medical set uh, in the morgue and his eyeballs get sealed up. Oh yeah. And I'm just like, all right, now we're see this is what I'm looking for. This is the good stuff. I even think that like turning the one girl into a mannequin it's like kind of tame, but then you have those moments where it's like the close up of like the human eyes inside of the mannequin, and it's like really horrific. Yeah, actually. yeah. I I loved that kill because it's way more torturous. Torturous. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. How bad would it suck to have your skeleton rip itself out of your body and be possessed? I mean, that would suck. But that's like, let's say twenty to thirty seconds of excruciating pain before you fucking die. She's stuck in the mannequin forever or at minimum three days while she dies of thirst i think that that's the problem with a uh, uh, gin you know like uh, the, the whole concept of like an evil genie is that they grant you your wish in fucked up ways and you need to have things that are visually appealing for a movie like this especially when it's from the 90s but visually appealing isn't always going to be horrific and i think that the only true kill in this that's horrific is is the mannequin or that the, the yeah. fate not the kill i'm the just fate. gonna say it i get it it's an evil genie movie 
some of these are real fucking stretches to get to like with with the scene with Tony Todd where it's just like do you think your life is boring? Because he always makes that weird stretch the A yeah. moan noise yep. after every word. And Tony Todd's like, you know, yeah, sometimes my life's a little boring. And then he's just like, all right, Houdini, now get out of this torture chamber. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> what's like, so funny okay. because it, it's early on in the movie, it seems like he really is bound to rules. And that's what makes yeah. it fun is like he he's trying to outsmart you and you're trying to outsmart him. Let's just call it an it, because I don't think it has a dong. Uh, we never saw anything but a cod piece, so we, I'm going to call it a, a non-gendered being. Anyway, Matt cut all that. <laughs> so I, I think that you're right. It's a gimme when you're like, we just want to get you out of the way. You know, if they, they would have spent one minute instead of 30 seconds on Tony Todd. I don't know what his daily was, but it must have been too high. I think that there's like, he's not even subtle. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you've seen, like, these movies where, like, evil genies will, like, subtly get someone to wish something. But he's just like, yo, don't you straight up wish that you could be young forever? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, boom, you're a mannequin. Peace. That's because, like, that, and that's great because, you know, the vast majority of humans are not very intelligent. And they can't see beyond their <laughs> own wishes uh, and, and the nomenclature within which they speak. So perhaps... This is a larger discussion about the downfall of Western society, the obsession with money and beauty, and I'm full of shit. This is just a, an excuse to show humor. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to tell you, though, you shat all over me uh, and trampled all over me. Matt, this is, this is me making fun of Matt now. Um, Matt trampled all over my bit earlier on when we were talking about the guy getting super cancer in the pharmacy because I was I had such a good joke I was gonna say this is the Deadpool origin story we didn't actually get to see <laughs> oh there we go I'm glad right. that Brian thought I'm it was sorry. funny but you, I'm really disappointed I, I, in you right also now. let the uh, let the listeners know that I was not farting at Scott it was a callback to a conversation we had in a group text today <laughs> yeah I made a joke that's only funny to the two people in our private conversation. Which is most Let's of Let's not get jokes. crazy. It, it wasn't funny to both of us. <laughs> no. So, I, again, the practical effects when they pop up in this movie are fantastic. Oh, yeah. So, like, our main character, she's, she's trying to figure out how to trick the djinn, and he's forcing her to, to pick, to, like, to make these wishes, or he's going to fuck with her sister essentially so she's like i want to learn more about you so he's like all right welcome to hell welcome to hell why can't i have that why couldn't you give that you are on a war path today just to ruin me all right hang on a second we'll take a, a three second pause no no i don't you, want it now you can say i don't it want it now <laughs> welcome to hell <laughs> but i love these practical like hell monsters that are like running around in there. It's because you like um, the, the, the Xeno dogs in Alien 3. Yeah, I do. Really, like almost a perfect callback to the beginning of this movie. Robert England's character is like, I want this party to be remembered. And then it is just chaos. Like, there's like my favorite thing is how quickly it gets bad. So, like, you'll see. These, like this statue with snakes, turn into some CGI snakes, and then the very next shot 
is a dude whose face is already twisted beyond recognition yeah. from the snake bite. Like, in a matter of 30 seconds. They're, they're <laughs> fucking supernatural snakes, bro. It's not like their venom is going to... It's not a neurotoxin, you know? It, yeah. Come on now. But the, the the best part about that whole scene is the, the piano wire decapitation. Which is the director. Oh, awesome. The director gave himself the best kill. He was like, all right, take my head off. I would, I would do that too. <laughs> you know, I've just been thinking a lot about this lately, and Matt knows because I told him this when we were hanging out, and I just think that it's time for me to die in a horror movie. I've loved yeah. horror movies my entire life, more or less, ever since I knew what they were when I was like five. You know, I'm like, ooh, I like being scared. And then I just got obsessed with them. And and um, I've never been murdered in a movie. And I just, I feel like if I was, the, if I was given, this was a blank check movie. They were just like, give us a new Freddy. Here's a blank check. And he was like, thanks, idiots. I'm just going to have fun. And and like, if, if that was my problem, I was like, oh, I got a blank check to make a movie. I'm killing myself in the most extravagant way possible. And you know I love head trauma. And so it's definitely going to be a decapitation or a head smash. Do it. Not not in real life. Please don't um, come kill me, anybody. So so how do we feel about the ending of this movie? That's so that's stupid. why I was getting complaining. Like, that's why I was getting ready to complain because I knew this movie's an hour and nine minutes. And I checked at one point because I was like, I really got to get some work done. And I was like, oh, there's nine minutes left. And I felt like 30 minutes later, I'm like, when is this fucking movie going to be over? It just felt so long. Well, I was going to, I meant more that she basically uses her third wish to wish that the guy three days ago wasn't drunk on the job and erases everything that we've seen. So it's kind of one of those like, and nobody died type twist. It was all a dream. Where, yeah. It truly is the only downside of this movie. I can live with a shitty CGI. I cannot live with a, it was only a dream ending. Here's, Scooby -Doo here's ending. the thing that's, that's kind of insane to me is that the animated series, extreme ghostbusters found a better way to get around <laughs> how to make a wish that the genie gets fucked over by than this movie did. Brian, do you remember that? Because we watched like maybe three or four episodes of Extreme Ghostbusters we watched a lot of. There was the Killer Clown one we watched constantly. And this was the one where it was like a salesman genie. Like the one guy was like, I wish I was made of money. And then like mm -hmm. he's turned into like a human stack of money. I actually really remember this episode. He was like trying to collect on this one wish. And the wish that they gave was, I wish for you not to grant me my wish. It broke the genie essentially. Because yeah. it was like to not grant the wish, he would be granting the wish. <laughs> yeah, you have so, to. That's like, the only way to beat a genie is to like an evil genie or like a monkey's paw or something like that is to wish for an unfulfillable wish. It's like you it, because you got to think about them as and this the the movie itself doesn't really think about them this way, which is annoying. They all work in logic, and so they're almost like a machine or a piece of clockwork they're they're the 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 machine in 13 ghosts and if you put a little wrench in the machine it breaks you know like that's the yes, only way to exactly. be an evil genie it just it yeah the ending really kind of is the bummer of this movie because it's just this really forced tacked on like happy ending what and they everybody's okay done is thing. that they should have had her seem like she got her wish but actually her be in hell like or in the yeah. like in the the stone stupid put down that smartphone and listen to me i'm matthew milligan professional musician and lifelong weird owl fan 
Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. All right. So, Scott, double feature time. It's super easy, and I'm really glad that I'm going first. I'm going with Curse 2 because there's just snake transformation after snake transformation in this movie, and I just want to see more of those rubber snakes getting thrown on top of a car in Curse 2, The Bite. <laughs> also, that movie is pretty dope with the uh, practical effects, so I'm just going practical effects heavy, obviously. It's me. All right. Brian, Brian, how about you go first? Or go next? Okay. I would I would throw on Candyman. Because Tony be Todd? All right. Yeah, Tony Todd. Because as soon as I saw him, I was thinking, man, I'd really like to watch Candyman. It's not a fun watch. It's too heavy. I'm not saying it's not a good movie. I'm just saying it's like... This guy can't call anybody too heavy, you know? <laughs> so, so, so Scott and I did hang out this weekend. You know, we took in some real serious cinema during that we, entire we time, which was that we watched Ghoulies 2, Freddy's Dead, and Sleepaway Camp together. So that's kind of Scott picks. and I's bread and like, butter. You know, like... Yeah. But so my double feature with this... Yes, I agree with you that their goal was to do a new Freddy movie, for sure. But what they actually had a lot of elements of was a really good Hellraiser movie. So yeah. I think that I would pop in Hellraiser after watching Blood- Wishmaster. Bloodline? Hellraiser Bloodline? Is that what... No, no, no. No, just the Hellraiser. <laughs> Let's not, not get crazy here. <laughs> it hits a lot of the same beats as as Hellraiser. The the girl, the, the twisting of of pleasure and even the scene where she's very briefly in hell and chased by some weird monster yeah demo dogs um, so so hellraiser scott what is something that you watched this week that you want to give a shout out well i want to say i am two-thirds of the way done with the was it 2017 swamp thing tv show the dc one that, that that's supposed okay. to be like super dark and everything like that and i gotta tell you i don't really like it i think that there are so many things that they are getting wrong somebody had a good idea and then a committee came in and fucked it the thing the thing with dc is that they have this incredibly rich history of you know characters and they have some of the most iconic superheroes of the last you know 
80 years, whatever, and they consistently trip over their own shoelaces trying to keep up with Marvel, who got famous yeah. for a talking rodent. <laughs> All yeah. it takes is a good screen, a good screenwriter, you know, somebody to write a good script, and then you need to set groundwork. You can't throw everything at a screen in one movie. Like, That's... fuck Zack Snyder for putting Doomsday in, you know, Batman versus Superman, and then spoil... I mean, that, first of all, that is the worst... The worst screen adaptation of a superhero character. I mean, a comic book character. It's it's so bad. The, the Swamp Thing's not nearly that bad. I'm just saying that yeah. I am an ultra well, big Swamp you're Thing right, fan. You're right, though. They they want to be Marvel without doing like the first the ten work. years of groundwork you have to do that the Marvel work. put in. You know, the best DC movie is Wonder Woman, and and yeah. it's because well, it's it's the first two acts of Wonder Woman. The third act is fucking terrible, but you know, like the first two. But acts it was are because. The, but again, it's. It's the same thing with, like, if DC would also learn from Marvel in the sense of, like, as far as I know, and this is something maybe for Marvelous Questions one day, but, like, as far as I know, the movie Guardians of the Galaxy isn't exactly an adaptation, a faithful adaptation of what those comics were up until that point. But it's, like, when you're working with something that's literally, like, a D or E level comic book... You can just find someone who has the right tone for that story and create something amazing out of it. And I think that Wonder Woman's really the closest they've ever gotten. And Wonder Woman's still like, if she's not an A-list character, she's like a B-plus level character. She's still a very well-known and respected character in comics. But like, you could tell that they didn't care enough about her, so they were able to give that character to someone who did give a shit, and they were able to make a good movie without the committee being involved. Yeah, I definitely agree. And the thing is, the Swamp Thing is the kind of character that needs room to grow. I mean, I, I don't mean that in some sort of pun. I, I just feel like... So the, what they're doing is they're they're ignoring the original storylines completely, including the vast majority of the Alan Moore stuff. So like the Len Wein stuff is pretty much out the window. Although it feels like it's a little bit more of the original version of Swamp Thing where it's a man who becomes a plant instead of a plant that thinks it's a man, which was the Alan Moore run. It's trying to be super dark. I just feel like they are pulling, and I can tell the homages that they're trying to hit some a lot of the the Moore stories, Alan Moore stories, in the early you know the early saga of the Swamp Thing. I think that it was at least directed, if not written and directed, by a group of people that love horror movies, and that's great. I mean, like obviously that should be my bread and butter because the first episode, there's literally a thing, the thing. There's a scene where there's basically a the thing, but it's made out of plants, and and I was not expecting much and I'm not getting much so I'm not upset I just wanted to be pleasantly surprised because I've been putting off watching this for a long time superhero to actually have a good franchise yeah and there's a reason why <laughs> we're not getting Guillermo del Toro's Justice League Dark because they tried Swamp Thing and Blue Devil in the Swamp Thing TV show and they did such a mediocre job that I don't even think they got to finish their first season so I'm going to go real quick Unless Brian's really nervous about not having anything to talk about. No, no. I have nothing to talk about. So. <laughs> He's just not nervous mine's about it. Real, mine's real short. Uh, I don't know when the episode's going to come out. 
Um, but I was recently on an episode of the Greatest Movie Ever podcast uh, with Paul Chapman. It was the most excited I've ever been to be on a show because of how it happened. Now, Paul Chapman has been a friend of mine for many, many years. He's one of the first podcasts I listened to right there with Geekscape. He's been doing it almost as long as Jonathan. And he posted online, hey, I'm going to do an episode of Greatest Movie Ever about Phantom of the Paradise. And immediately, he was like, I got at least 20 messages where they're like, you yeah. need to have Matt Kelly from Horror Movie yeah. Night on to talk about Phantom. <laughs> like, so the fact that, first of all, thank you, everybody. The fact that I am getting as known as being Matt Kelly, like is that's becoming a personality trait right there with like the Muppets and Scrubs where it's like, oh, it's about this thing. You need Matt Kelly to be on the show. Just absolutely love it. I, I feel... So honored. And yeah, we recorded for a good hour and a half talking about Phantom of the Paradise. Hopefully he trims that down a little bit. But <laughs> I mean, just a great movie still. So uh, not so much of what did I watch this week, but more just a, hey, if you've been listening to us for 300 some episodes and you still haven't checked out Phantom of the Paradise, do it up. We get emails still kind of regularly about people who are like, hey, I finally watched it, loved it, like bought a T-shirt. Like... Shout out to Danielle. That was one of her emails. Brian. I got nothing, but I have a quick question for you guys. Pop quiz. All right. Which of these Say hot shot after that. Say you. pop quiz, hot shot. Pop quiz, quiz. hot shot. Which of these weighs more? <laughs> a gallon of water mm -hmm. or a gallon of butane? The reason that you're asking makes me think that it's a gallon of water. Scott? I'm just going to say butane because matt said water I, I don't there's this is a bit and i don't know where it's going so go ahead well most people would answer they both weigh a gallon but it's incorrect the correct answer is water because butane is a lighter fluid god damn it <laughs> this is the quality content you will get from horror movie night you thank you so much for listening we hope we don't lose 50% of our subscribers on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you get your podcasts, your podcasting app that hopefully has not been deleted from your phone as of 15 seconds ago. Um, we are Horror Movie Night. Have a good one. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. 
So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 